Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about uh, everything racing this week and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I've got Richard Uden, Louise Torres, and Christopher DeHardy. Fellas, how are we doing? Good, thank you. It's going. Yes. Fantastic. All right, great to have you all here. Chris, you haven't been on in a while. It's wonderful that... Uh, your work schedule matched up with us. I always enjoy what you uh, what you have to say. Enjoy your insights, uh, particularly in indie racing, uh, which we will get to later in the program. But first, I want to talk about this uh, Hungarian Grand Prix. I mean, people like to tell you that Formula One is boring and predictable, but every now and again, they, they throw in a race like that just to show you that Formula One is not boring and predictable. Um, <laughs> so we have uh, we, we've got another new winner, Esteban Ocon. A young man from France winning uh, for the Alpine team, which I believe is the first factory win. I mean, not an engine manufacturer win for uh, Renault since about 2008 when Alonzo won a couple of races. Does that sound about right? I think, yeah, uh, yeah. I, no, I think uh, Raikkonen won for them at Austra- uh, Australia, and he also had the win at Abu Dhabi. Was that not under the Lotus name? Uh, I know that. That team, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was Lotus yeah, Renault. Yeah, that team has been called more things than I've had hot dinners at times. It's the so. same organization. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny because, like, yeah, Renault sold it, sold it once, and then bought it back. You know, in between, yeah. Just, but I mean, Renault was one of those uh, names with steeped in a lot of Formula One heritage. I mean, they've got if you if you count up their uh, drivers' championships as both a constructor and um, and an any manufacturer, they've got like. 13 12 or 13 championships so uh mm-hmm. yeah and and to see them return to winner's circle um you know very good for the sport but let's talk about the okay. race let's talk about the race so we were coming off a british grand prix where we saw red bull was a little bit upset that one of the mercedes drivers took out one of the red bull cars okay so lewis hamilton took out one of the red bull cars not wanting to be outdone valtteri Baltas says <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> so um, both of us gets a terrible start. And trying to recover from that ends up taking out both of the Red Bull cars, um, at least temporarily, as well as uh, a few other cars. And I guess the really um, tough part of this now is to have uh, Alex Albon um, recreate that. So um, <laughs> with that being said, Richard, I'll just let you take it away. 
from there, we had um, a red flag, a, a little bit of a rain delay, and then a very lonely start for Lewis Hamilton. Indeed, but uh, but sorry, Frank, quickly, before, uh, before we get into Formula 1, one thing I, I do want to mention is uh, over the weekend, there's a very tragic ac- accident at uh, Brands Hatch in England um, where a marshal, um, volunteer marshal, suddenly lost his life. Um, these guys, you know, every racetrack all over the world um, is is manned by these volunteer marshals week in, week out. And without them, you know, we, would, we wouldn't be talking about the racing that we're talking about. We wouldn't be, you know, watching the races on TVs. The, these guys are the unsung heroes of the sport. And uh, it was a horrific accident. And, uh, yeah, we're very sad that one of these guys that gives up their time doing something they love for a sport they love to be involved in a sport in whatever way they can lost uh, lost their life in such a in such a tragic way yeah that, that is that is tragic yeah so yeah, yeah thanks, um, thanks for mentioning that yep yeah no it, it did leave but you know it, it's terrible when these things happen you know as i say these guys are volunteers they do it for the love of the sport and uh yeah great shame great shame indeed but um yeah moving on to the uh the uh the Hung- hungarian grand prix um you know, we've seen it a number of times this year, haven't we? You know, races which we would consider to be, you know, the more mundane and boring races, um, turn out to be the the thrillers and the exciting races. And in many ways, this was no different. Um, you know, there'd always been been sort of talk about, um, you know, rain this weekend coming in or rain on the weekend coming in ahead of the race, and uh, you know, qualifying or practicing qualifying was dry, and then. You know, I must admit, I'd sort of turn the TV on to watch the race and then I went to sort of feed the cats or whatever it were. And, uh, you know, I come back and all, all these pagodas have popped up on the uh, on the grid there as this rain shower came through. And, uh, you know, we had something similar last year at Hungary with some uh, rain before the start of the race. And uh, it, again, it didn't uh, didn't disappoint, really. It created a thrilling spectacle. Um, you know, as you say, Valtteri Bottas, who'd qualified, uh, you know, second ahead of Max Verstappen, which was a great qualifying performance for Valtteri, had a had a pretty poor start there. Uh, I think Lando Norris got past him on the outside, and then going into turn one, Valtteri just—I mean, I, I don't know what he did, but he he braked way too late and just plowed into the back of uh, Lando Norris. And then just created this chain reaction of incidences, which resulted in four cars out, Bottas, Leclerc, uh, Lando Norris and Sergio Perez, um, all retired from the race pretty much there. And then I know that also Lance Stroll had a bit of a bit of an issue trying to get stopped in turn one. He actually sort of tried to take a shortcut over the curve at the apex of turn one, which... uh, didn't work out too well for him, and he, uh, I think he was the one that uh, he collected another car as well in the middle. I think he may have been the one that collected Leclerc in the middle of all that, but uh, very messy. Uh, you know, but it's uh, under the, the conditions to a certain extent, it's understandable. You know, these cars are hard enough to drive as it is, and then when they're, um, you know, given that sort of, um, you know, c- conditions that slick, slippery condition, especially when they haven't driven in that all weekend, it can be challenging, but. These guys are the best in the world, and uh, two unfortunately, two guys made a mess of the start, and that uh, sort of screwed it up for everybody else. But um, yeah, we, we that resulted in a red flag situation, which uh, you know allowed it allowed a certain amount of uh, repair work to be done to Verstappen's car and uh, a couple of other things, and uh, sort of restack the field a little bit. 
but you know Hamilton was on pole if you like for the restart but as they were on the formation lap as it were or whatever you want to call it uh, post restart to the grid it was obvious that the, the wet weather tyres that everybody was on uh, from the restart or from, from the, the moment of the red flag were the wrong tyre uh, your slick tyres was the way to go the track had dried in that uh, red flag period and everybody apart from Hamilton dived into the pits to get changed onto slicks and uh, and Hamilton was sort of sat there it was the most amazing sight one car on the grid I mean, God, if he jumped the start, it would have been embarrassing, wouldn't it? 2005 <laughs> yeah. U.S. Grand Prix. This is a messed yes. up start. 2021 Hungarian Grand Prix. Hold my beer. Yeah. Exactly. Let me, was, let, let me ask that was you, comedy. Let me ask you it this, was. This, Let me ask you this question, yeah. Richard. So yeah. saying Hamilton went into the pits as well, right? Yep. So there would be nobody there, but they the rules still call for a standing start. Would, would they just Correct. have not had the standing start? Would they have had to no, do another? I mean, would they have to do another formation lap? Had everybody come in? I think what would have happened is the five lights would have come on and then gone out. And at the moment when uh, the lights go out, the green light would have come on at the end of the pit lane. So typically, when a car starts at the end of the pit lane, the race director uh, Michael Massey um, now um, he will. Uh, control the lights at the end of the pit lane. And when every car has safely passed the exit of the pit lane, he will turn that light on green so the car starting from the pit lane doesn't emerge from the pit lane in the middle of the pack and potentially get an unfair advantage. So he sort of controls that. So I think what would have happened is the lights would have gone out and then pretty much straight away he would have turned the, the, uh, the or opened the pit lane exit. So, um, I mean, I don't probably one of those things that's not written in the rule book everybody would have been sat there like uh what do we do now guys yeah yeah it's yeah it's kind of unusual you know but you know it it it, it, they they seem to cope and uh you know um it looked like um um i want to george russell tried to get a little bit cheeky and uh and gain a few spots off the off the restart there Suddenly found himself well up on the pack, but uh, he had to he had to drop back. But uh, you know, Latifi was up there, Ocon was up there, Seb was up there. You know, and, and and basically that's the way it stayed for the majority of the race. I mean, you know, Ocon and, and Seb were, were were battling hard the whole race, and uh, you know, Lewis drove through the pack as you'd expect, but didn't really make some of the gains that you maybe saw at um, Silverstone, you know, two weeks prior, but. Uh, you know, and I think with the damage to to Verstappen, he's he was he was really unable to make much much progress through the pack. I mean, it took him forever to get past one of the Haas cars, so it was difficult for him. You know, his car was very 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 heavily damaged there, and uh, under that red flag, they were sort of putting it together with tape really to hold it together. But uh, yeah, it was a shame. But uh, you know, really, what what won it for uh, for Ocon was that uh, Vettel had a. Slow pit stop, which uh, I think if that had been a normal pit stop, he would have uh, come out ahead of Ocon on the undercut. Uh, but unfortunately, at the end of the race, it was all uh, immaterial. Uh, you know, Ocon got his first win. So, you know, congratulations to him. It was, uh, you know, a, a deserved win. You know, he did what he needed to do. He led 70 laps of the race almost, or 65 laps of the race. And uh, Yeah, yeah the, wind you know, didn't, was, the wind didn't follow to his lap. I mean, obviously, no, he, there was... He, there was yeah. a little luck, you know, involved in him finding himself in the lead. But from there, he, you know, he held on yeah. to it and defended it. 
yeah, he did exactly what he needed to do. And, you know, Seb's a, a veteran. You know, he knows what he's doing. And Seb looked after his tyres, but still couldn't, you know, find the way past. He had a couple of close close calls, but in reality, it just wasn't quite enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately for Seb, he, uh, you know, I, I did notice this watching the race. He stopped his car pretty soon after the end of the race uh, and didn't complete the the sort of cool down lap and uh, you know pull into park Fermi as normal uh, and got a got a, a ride on the back of a, of a moped or whatever back to the uh, back to the pit lane which is unusual um, and unfortunately what I feared it did appear to be the case he he'd used too much fuel he hadn't run out of fuel but the rules clearly state that um, you know a certain amount of fuel needs to be left in the car at the end of the race uh, for the FAA to take fuel samples and do their um, you know investigate you know scrutineering and uh from from sound to things that wasn't the case um and and subsequently and not without precedence um you know he, he lost that second place finish which again promoted um you know hamilton to second um and uh you know sort of really it was it was a shame because you know i mean the amount of fuel that was lot not left in the car is not going to affect his pace you know you're talking tenths of a second over the course of the race in reality um but uh, you right know, yeah but, but the, the reason for that rule is they need to have a decent yeah. sample amount to, which begs, exactly. the, begs the question right since there's no refueling in formula one why can they not test the fuel before the race or or is there or is there a way to manipulate the fuel with something in the engine mapping well, there's this you know, whole oil mixing, and yeah, I mean, there's the whole yeah, oil yeah. mixing with the fuel that Ferrari is supposedly doing. So, I guess they do want to see what uh, what the fuel looks like post race. So, um, you know, who knows what's going on? I mean, goodness me, going back to to Monaco years ago, there's a Ferrari mechanic that's firstly putting contaminant in his own car to try and jeopardise them and uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's all a little bit a uh, little bit cloak and dagger at times with fuels. Um, you know, the teams. And uh, engine manufacturers who typically would supply the fuel do, you know, they're very, very closely guided secret. Um, so to a certain extent, it's not uh, not surprising that they, uh, you know, want to test them to make sure they're not. Uh, there's a whole section of the rule book on fuel and fuel configuration and fuel um, chemistry, which is way beyond the way beyond my my scope of, of knowledge on these sort of things. But to, to say the least. Some very, very clean, very, very clever people trying to trick the FAA pretty much on a regular basis with this sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, it's understandable they want to want to do some samples there. But it is shame for shame for um, you know Vettel there. Obviously promoted the guys behind. You know, Alonso drove a great race, and Alonso really, I thought the way Alonso defended against Hamilton was fantastic. I mean, eventually Hamilton got passed after Alonso locked up in turn one, but. Alonso, he's driving so well. You know, he just turned forty on the Thursday before the race, but was was driving fantastically. Uh, you know, hats off to the guy. I, I was very, very impressed with him that uh, over the weekend. Um, and you know, some other standout performances. You know, Carlos Sainz had a good race, and you can't, you know, go go the uh, race summary from from Hungary without mentioning uh, Williams. You know, not only did they score the first points, but had a double points finish. Um, Eventually, I think they ended up seventh and eighth, wasn't it, after uh, Ocon's penalty? And, you know, there was a or stage Vettel, at the race. Vettel's, um, Vettel's, Vettel's penalty. Sorry. Vettel's Second penalty. place yeah, finisher's sorry. penalty, according to Ferrari. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. The, the man whose name shall not be mentioned. Um, but, 
you know, one thing that did strike me during the coverage was um, at the point when the TV, I think the TV was running third at one point, yep, which third. which actually helped, um, you know, Ocon and Vettel sort of stretch out and create a bit of a gap, which gave them a bit of flexibility in their strategy, I think. But um, George Russell came on the radio and obviously, you know, these guys, they can see the giant scoreboards. They can, they know where their teammates are. They know what's, you know, it's amazing at times listening to these drivers how aware they are of what's going on and during the race uh doing what they're doing and he said you know look hey if if you you need to jeopardize my strategy and my race to benefit you know uh, tifi then do it you know do whatever you need to do for me just get a good result for the team and that was great to hear i mean you know and, and some people may sort of be a bit cynical about it say well he's just saying that but no i i genuinely do believe that um george is a team player and, you know, on a weekend where, you know, the last weekend, or sorry, the last race weekend before the winter, the, the summer break, uh, and supposedly during the summer break is when Mercedes will be making their decision on uh, who will be partnering Lewis Hamilton in 2022. You know, you look at Valtteri's performance over the weekend, which was, you know, that start was just amateurish, I hate to say. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, he's not really helping his case going into no, the break. And then, yeah. and you, yeah. I, in my and piece, I put zero what, favors. It did. Yeah, and then when you compare what George did, you know, a really mature, smart race. And, you know, at one point, Latifi was almost 20, 30 seconds ahead of Russell. And then Russell pulled it back to, uh, you know, only a couple of places, uh, you know, a couple of seconds behind. And people were criticizing Russell that he was very timid through that melee in the first corner. But it's like, seriously? I mean, you're going to criticize the guy for that? I thought that was ridiculous. No. Both of those Williams drivers drove a great, mature, sensible race, didn't panic, didn't do anything crazy when they were in the position to, to score good, solid, reliable points. They did. And it also, you know, it means they're ahead of Haas in the championship and they're also now ahead of Alfa Moreo. And um, I think with the, uh, you know, the, the, the number of points they got and the number of points that Alfa will score, it may well mean that they finish ahead of both of those teams in the Constructors' Championship, which it, it doesn't sound much. And for a team of Williams's heritage, it's not, you know, you think, why are people getting excited about that? But when you consider where they've been the last couple of years, it's a huge step up. And, and George was, you know, geez, the kid was emotional during those, um, uh, you know, the, the post-race interviews. I mean, he, he cares. He he really cares. He wears his heart on his sleeve and he, I, I strongly believe more and more now that he will be at uh, Mercedes next year and that that announcement will come before we race again. Yeah, the only thing we know is that he'll be testing the 2022 tyres with Mercedes and soon. Okay, okay, so that's been announced, fair enough. But yeah, um, it hasn't yeah. been officially as just a tire test for the new car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, Haas did one post Silverstone, I think, didn't they? And uh, you know, they're all every team is getting an opportunity to test these new 18-inch rims as opposed to the 13-inch rims going into next year, and uh, you know, get an understanding for the baseline of the tire and the construction and and the uh, you know profile of the tire. So um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, you know, Valtteri has. You know, run his course, I think, at Mercedes, unfortunately. I think he's a great driver and a great person, but I just don't think it's going to... I don't think there's any reason for Mercedes to continue. Um, and again, you know, we mentioned it post-Silverstone. 
Um, and I know he was taken out in the first lap, but Perez again in qualifying, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't, he didn't have another, you know, it wasn't an amazing weekend from Perez. Um, it's just, he didn't get a chance I, to run Q the final lap because it was too late. He got the final, yeah, exactly. And we don't he know would end up probably on. in fourth, but yeah, other than but that, again, it was just miswash. Yeah, you know, again, you know, you look at it and you look at what. Uh, and you look at Howelson's performances and Verstappen's performances, and even guys like Lando Norris and, and 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 some of these other guys. You know, there is a real—I don't know if this is the right—real substance to their performance week in, week out. You know, you get value for money, you get something from it. And I think that you look at Bottas, you look at um, Perez. There's just there's that little bit missing. And unfortunately, this level of sport, you need that little bit extra. You need that, you know, you don't need a, one team made at you know, 100% and the other at 80%. You need one at 100 and one at 90 or 95. You need something that will invigorate the, that side of the garage and really push both team, both drivers. And um, I it, it it does you know you do wonder about Perez where his his future lies. Um, I would have thought if they were going to run him next year, they would have made that announcement already. Again, you know the other question is who would they put in? Would they put Gasly back in there? I mean, I don't think you can ask any more from Gasly than he has has done really. Um, you know since he got demoted back to the uh, Alpha Tauri team. So I'd like to see him get that opportunity. May not happen. Um, I will. I'll tell you this much. If I was Helmut Mark or Christian Horner or Dieter Matterschmitz, one of these guys who's high up in the Red Bull camp, while um, while Mercedes appeared to be procrastinating over George Russell, I'd be knocking on his door because, you know, he's got no firm contract with Mercedes uh, for next year and Williams next year. So he is technically a free agent now. That may force, you know, Mercedes' hand. I don't know. But uh, Perez is solid, but again... You know, we, we, we talked about it with Albon and, you know, in the past, you need more than solid if you're going to go up against Mercedes, Ferrari, you know, McLaren, all these guys. Yeah, and that, yeah, that is true. And I'll definitely give you give you that. It's, I think it was the first practice. It seems like he's nowhere near close to Red Bull. And then as the week progresses, it gets better and better, but it needs to be more... Now that Red Bull has pretty much, I view it as an implosion out of their own doing. Because oh, yeah, everything that's happened, they're imploding. They're too dwell. They're dwelling on the whole demanding a race ban and all that stuff. And I said it up front. I think that distracted can, them. Yeah, you cannot dwell on it when you're this. When we have this close of a championship for the first time mm-hmm. in three years, with when Ferrari were trying to belt before they self destructed. And uh, Singapore seventeen, and then Germany eighteen yeah. with medals blunder. Just yeah, out. I mean, it, it, you you've got to give Mercedes credit. They they bounce back at Hungary at a a track that has been typically a Renault stronghold. Oh, sorry, Red Bull stronghold for the last few seasons. So you've got to give them a lot of credit there. Um, because in reality, this Red Bull even weren't close enough throughout practice and qualifying to really compete with Mercedes. Mercedes had that edge all weekend, so you've got to give them a lot of credit for that. Um, and and yeah, he, he, he could be very right. Like, it could have been of their own doing. They could have got distracted by this whole Lewis Hamilton thing. Um, 
one thing I did want to bring up very quickly before we sort of move on here was, um, you know, again, the, the, the uh, penalty system. So during the um, sort of red flag safety car, or sorry, red flag uh, restart scenario, uh, I think it was, was it Raikkonen or Giovinazzi got released into uh, the path of the Hass of uh, Mazepin? Raikkonen, yeah. So I actually broke Mazepin's front uh, front right suspension, which which put Mazepin out of the race. And and for that, Raikkonen got a 10-second penalty, which was the same penalty as Hamilton got uh, Silverstone. So you think, okay, you know, he's taken somebody out of the race. Like Claren Perez got in Hungary. To set, yeah. Um, but then Giovinazzi got penalized for speeding in the pit lane, and his penalty was a 10-second stop-and-go penalty, which equates to roughly 30 to 35 seconds, depending on the track. Now, speeding in the pit lane, you could be one mile an hour over the pit limit. You know, the, the pit limit's 50 miles an hour, and you could be one mile an hour over that, and you get that harsh penalty. Now, I'm not for one minute saying that the 10-second stop-and-go penalty is not a justified penalty for speeding in the pit lane, because at the end of the day, these guys have a pit limiter button on the steering wheel. So there's not many people to blame if they miss, you know, if they speed, you know, it's their own fault. They Either their fault or the team's fault for calibrating the pit lane speed limiter wrong, which is very unusual. So I just wonder where that balance is. Something doesn't sit right for me there. I think yeah, they need yeah, to look at It that. seems like the one penalty should be more severe than the other and not the other way around. Although, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Kimmy saved uh, Maz has been the trouble of damaging his own car, um, which he, oh, very true. he tends, tends <laughs> to do. So now, now, Christopher, you've been quiet over there. So I just wanted to, before we, <laughs> before we move away from the discussion on the Hungarian Grand Prix, I want to see if you have any, any thoughts, anything to add. Um, Hungary's produced some very weird races through the years. Um, mm-hmm. Really. I'm just thrilled that we have a first time winner again. Um, and especially given how Esteban was in Formula One, then he was out and, you know, he got, he was able to get back in. And of course, you know, he has, you know, one of the best drivers of the last 20 years there, uh, no matter what you think of Alonso, I mean, winning the world championship twice is no, you know, small feat. Um, it's very good to see Esteban get that win. And I'm, I'm really happy for him. And I'm really, especially happy for Williams as well with the fact that they were able to score double points as well. Um, that's really all I got on Hungary. All right. Now I wanted to, to bring this up, Christopher. You and I were talking about uh, during our pre-show about this a little bit. There's a, a story circulating that I had read earlier today that uh, uh, somebody at Ferrari thinks it's a good idea that a uh, if there's an accident that causes damage to a car caused by another driver, that the other the the driver causing the accident should be held financially liable. And and pay for that team's repair, which I, I you know what I mean. I just personally, I find that to be a very slippery slope. Because um, number one, you, you you know the 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 thing about assigning blame uh, to a crash is is subjective at best uh, in some cases. Uh, but but then I just wonder, I just, what do we have next, man? We have a you know bring contingency fee lawyers into the mix here. You know, have you been have you been damaged by Lewis Hamilton? Don't fight him yourself. Go to the law team of the hammer. The so win, no fee. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the, 
the, the sad thing is, is that, you know, Frank, you've seen me in person, you, you know, that, you know, my vision isn't always the best, you know, I wear glasses. And the fact of the matter is that I literally had to pay to read that. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. But uh, I, again, I think, uh, you know, it's, it says a dangerous precedent in auto racing, you know what I mean? And, and I don't, uh, you know, I know there have been a few things here and there, like on a local level with uh, somebody being upset with one another and maybe suing somebody for damaging their race car. But, but at the professional level, uh, I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's the, the cost of doing business. If you ask me. Sometimes though, some drivers will help other drivers out, you know, out of their own pocket for the goodwill of the sport. Um, Sarah Fisher, you know, is one primary benefactor of this. You know, she had the incident with Tony Kanaan at the 2008 Indy 500, where she uh, hit Kanaan's car after Kanaan hit the turn three wall after Marco Andretti, you know, surprised him, passed him going into turn three. Fisher's car uh, had a lot of damage to the, uh, the floor of the car and Andretti Autosport actually helped her out and actually bought her a new one because, you know, she had a sponsor that pulled out. She had another uh, sponsor that came in at the last minute to help her out. Um, and then to have that happen was just so bad. Um, yeah. So the, some, you know, some teams do that. And another one that was kind of cool in my opinion was um, Eldora Speedway posted a, a video of an, a race from 1986 where Jack Hewitt won after he spun another driver out in the final lap. And he actually said in the victory lane interview, you know, I'll give him the, diff the, you know, the other guy, the difference between first and second, he hates that he won like that. So yeah, if, if someone knows that they messed up, then yeah, they will try and make it right. Most of the time, if they're, you know, sporting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, that's yeah. I was Schrader at an ARCA race where he took, he bumped the guy out of the way. And he waited until like after magic card that he turned, get by cost him to win, but he didn't want to win it that way. Yeah, again, though, that's, you know, that's a, a matter of somebody, like you say, like the, the word you use, Chris, was sporting, which I really like that word, uh, you know, and Andretti Autosport with, you know, considerable resources compared to Sarah Fisher Racing. But, you know, at the end of the day, they know, you know, Sarah's, Sarah's a good person. She's good for the series. Uh, uh, so they were happy to help her out. But to legislate the thing, you know what I mean? To At, at the Formula One level where these guys got crazy budgets to begin with, is me. It just it just opens up a big can of worms, and I and I, and I really hope that um, nobody takes that seriously. All right. So speaking of Formula One, we are where are we off to next? Off to the um, summer break. Off right? to vacation. Vacation. Okay, that's where we'll have uh, a lot of our silly season rumors and announcements generally come in. Uh, to that there so uh that'll be interesting and and one of the names that's uh, out there floating around is um nico hulkenberg uh, he's mm -hmm. been linked linked to a seat at williams uh he's also yeah. been linked to a seat at um what's the other seat he's been linked to in formula one Hey guys, gut check. If your six-pack abs are covered with flab, it's time to cut the fat. Lose weight the easy way with Nutrisystem for Men. Now delivering hearty inspirations meals that fill you up without letting you down. We're talking bigger lunches and bigger dinners packed with protein to control hunger for up to five hours. From savory bourbon chicken to mouth-watering meatloaf, they're exactly what a man's body needs to power through the day. You get breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and snacks. All fully prepared. Totally delicious 
and delivered free to your door. No salads, no juices, just real food for serious appetites. Order today and get all new fuel shakes for men. They're made with the key ingredient Velocitol that doubles the power of protein to help you maintain muscle mass while losing weight and feeling satisfied. Don't wait any longer. Order now for a simple way to lose weight, build strength, boost energy, and burn fat. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash protein to lock in your special deal. Offer restrictions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. There's as many left. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna say, but he's potentially Al, uh, Alfa Romeo, but uh, it might, yeah, Alfa Romeo. Really. Yeah, he'd like to see the Alfa Romeo and Williams, but he's also been, it's you know, been revealed this week that he's been in conversation with Ed Carpenter Racing to perhaps run that number twenty car on the street and road courses, the one that Ed likes to run the ovals himself. So uh, obviously, now Christopher, my thoughts are that uh, if Hulkenberg gets a Formula One seat. That's going to be his go-to. I mean, that, that's where he wants to be. But, uh, I mean, if you look at uh, some of these guys that have come over from F1, uh, like Grosjean, who was apparently having a great time in the series, and he's doing well, and he's gaining fans. Um, I, I, and uh, Erickson, another guy who's come over from Formula 1 who's uh, doing well. Um, I mean, what do you think about uh, Hulkenberg in the series? Do you think he would uh, he would enjoy that as well, or – I think he would, but I think he's not, to, to me, he's not as much, as much, really as much of a draw as Grosjean was. Um, you know, in America, Grosjean, you know, he did drive for the Haas team, which it may not carry necessarily a lot of weight, but it may carry a little. So some Americans might be a little bit more familiar with them um, or would root for him because of that. But also, you know, when Grosjean came over, he came over with an attitude of, you know, I have a lot to learn just because I come from Formula One doesn't mean I necessarily know everything. And I want to do what I can to work, you know, with this team and work and do, you know, good things. And he's done very well with that. I mean, heck, you look at the fact that he, um, you know, he's in What's the, he's truly embraced, really. That's what I was looking for. He's embraced, you know, the American racing scene and the American racing culture. You look at, you know, the stories of him with his family going in the RV, going all across the country. You know, this is someone who actively wants to be here and someone who really enjoys the difference in the competitive environment from Formula One to IndyCar or what you should, we could probably say is more accurately is the difference in the competitive environment between the United States and Europe. Yeah. And I think a couple other things that worked in Grosjean's favor were, 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 were number one. I mean, he, he was coming off that horrible accident at the, at the end of, of last season of formula one, which was profiled heavily in the, um, in the drive to survive series on Netflix that, that a lot of folks tend to watch. Um, and you know, so that the, 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 everyone likes the comeback story, you know, the, the story, yes. the courageous story, and then winning the pole at the Indianapolis Grand Prix, I think cemented 
uh, for a lot of folks, hey, man, this guy's the real deal. Uh, you know, especially when you're there right in Indianapolis where the, the, the heart of the fan base are. So, and this guy has just, like you said, he's, he's embraced American culture and American racing. Hulkenberg, yeah. Hulkenberg remained to be seen. Yeah, and I, I, if Hulkenberg embraces the United States, then he would probably be as welcome. But, you know, he hasn't been a Formula One in a while. He's He still doesn't have a podium. I, I hate to bring that up, but that's <laughs> that's the one, you know, thing that he still hasn't, you know, ticked off on his marker. You know, fourth place, yes, fourth place, you know, but no podiums yet. But he's still a pretty good driver. It's just, you know, for some reason here and there, he just – you know, hasn't been able to get to the top, you know, three steps there. What he does have is an overall Lamar win, but yet to the point, no podiums in F1. Well, the podiums in F1 are kind of hard to come by this day and age, uh, as long as Mercedes is <laughs> and Red Bull are dominating. Uh, but but either way, so speaking of Grosjean, they uh, released a video this week of uh, Grosjean running the Nashville street circuit in the simulator. So we get a really good look at uh, how this circuit is going to run. Now I've seen several people make their own little YouTube videos of them driving the course. Of course, you've got things like, you know, traffic lights and other cars and these sort of things. So you really don't get the feel of it, but uh, the full on simulator, you've got, you know, all the fencing there, all the walls, um, all, all the sponsor banners. And you can see how tight this circuit really is, but you can also see how long, those straightaways are going over the bridge. So Christopher, what are your, what are your thoughts on what kind of a race we're going to see here? Cause, cause if you ask me, we've got some, I think we've got some pretty good breaking zones where we might see some, uh, uh, you know, some pretty, pretty daring passes going into some of these uh, tight corners. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned that I'm going to have an article coming out on frontstretch.com tomorrow about the technical challenges of, you know, the circuit, but you know, for me, when we look at this circuit, the, the biggest things that stand out to me, of course, you know, you have the, the bridge, obviously, but your two longest straightaways at the end, they are curved leading to a braking zone. And, you know, ask, ask any driving instructor, you want to brake in a straight line as much as possible. That's going to be a very t- big technical challenge for these teams and drivers is trying mm-hmm. to be able to, to get your braking right. Because if you don't get your braking right, you know, there's, there's not that much runoff, you know, on street circuit. Of I course. saw, uh, I, I did see that, and it reminded me a lot of that um, sort of straight curve, if that makes sense, at uh, Russia. You know, the back straight, it sort of curves into, it turns left, and then you yes. got the right hand heavy braking zone. And I remember, is it Carlos Sainz Jr. had a huge shunt there yep. a few years ago? Um, and yeah, it did remind me a lot of that corner, and it's quite a good opportunity to. Um, you know, to, to make some moves in there, but uh, yeah, it should be good. It should be interesting. Yeah. And they're saying it's very, very bumpy to where, when I think of very bumpy on a street course, I think of San Jose, but the difference is there was train tracks that caused all that stuff in San Jose, Nashville. There's no train surroundings. Yeah. So well, San, it's not San, that bad. San Jose had cars flying. <laughs> remind, yeah. remind me of watching videos of the Nürburgring in the sixties. Those cars getting airborne like that. Yeah. <laughs> the bridge is flat out, by the way, I did ask um, the engineer I spoke with and he said, yes, the bridge is flat out. So we have an interesting layout for the course with the, the, the start finish line is going to be 
or the start line rather will be coming off of the bridge. So we'll, so we'll have a nice fast start, but the finish line will be on, on the backside of the course in front of the stadium uh, where the, the more expensive grandstands are. Uh, so this is not unlike mid Ohio that they start and finish are in different parts of the course here. But I, I, I think that was a smart decision to put the start there. Rather, I, rather yeah, than in the, in the slower part of this, of the course. Yeah. Yeah. I think one for aesthetic purposes of being, being neat start, start line shop. We'll see about that. But yeah, I think it was a wise decision to put it on the faster part rider and a really slow and, part of circuit i think it was a good idea to put it where it is for the start yeah so so the good news for the promoters of the race is that there are almost zero tickets left i i was on the uh all of the all of the three-day uh tickets are gone and those are all the really good grandstands there's a few one-day tickets left very few left for sunday there's a few one-day tickets left for Friday and Saturday. Uh, so we're looking at some pretty close to a, you know, stone cold sellout, um, which is uh, very encouraging for the promoters. Uh, they've, they've got a lot going on over the course of the weekend. They've got uh, several support races. They've got several concerts uh, as well as you're just going to have the, the street atmosphere. They've got a big uh, sponsor activation area. They have a family fun zone. Um, and I think, I think this thing is going to be a success, uh, year one, of course, as with any street race, it's the sustainability. We haven't seen a new street race survive in, I guess, St. Pete is the last, uh, the, the newest street race that's still going. I think so. Yeah. 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 And St. Pete's been 15, 16, 18 years now. So, but, but, we, but yeah, twenty yeah, but we, years almost. Yeah, but we yeah, and, and, and half of St. Pete's an airport, so it's not exactly a genuine downtown. This is true. Dig up the dig up the city center for two weeks. Well, to Nashville's credit, a big a big portion of the racetrack are the parking lots at uh, at the, the Titan Stadium, Nissan Stadium, very similar okay. to the old uh, Meadowlands Grand Prix they had back in the eighties uh, and nineties where they, they went, uh, you know, in front of giant stadium and around the continental airlines arena, largely a parking lot race, you know, similar to the Caesars palace grand prix from years ago, but, uh, they are shutting down, uh, you know, that whole, that whole bridge area, which, um, does have a good bit of traffic on a day-to-day basis. But uh, from, uh, from what I understand, they've, they've got a good, plan in place for uh, detours and whatnot. So we'll just have to see how all that plays out. Uh, at, at the end of the day, Nashville itself is a wonderful host city. I've, I, I don't live too far from Nashville. I've been there several times. Every time I've been to Nashville, I have a lot of fun. There, there's a lot of fun things to do downtown. There's a lot of nice restaurants. There's a lot of really good bars. There's a lot of little, little honky tonk bars that you can stop in there. Here's some live country music. Uh, but Nashville's not only country music, you can hear a lot of good rock and roll music and 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 other sort of things there. I yep. just think I just think that this sort of event fits in well with the uh the downtown area of Nashville, which is it's it's a pretty hot spot. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it should be interesting, especially the Friday show they having after all the prac activities that will include good old Vince Neal, which is hilarious because if you've seen Vince Neal live. Which I've yet to. I know next year, if 
that will ever happen with the Poison Miley Crew Jones Jet Show, you know you're not – don't get your expectations too high. With Vince yeah, D.O. I, and my performances. Yeah, I, uh, Tim Duggar, maybe, but I'm no country guy at all. But that's I only know Tim Duggar just because of the iRacing involvement from last year. But, be, but I imagine Tim is pretty good. I Don't quote me on that. But when it comes to Vince, just expect nothing and just enjoy for what it's worth. Yeah, I did. See, I did see some recent videos of uh, Vince Neil performing when you can't even. He sounds like he doesn't remember the words of the song, and he's just kind of mumbling to the cadence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Should I say former Indy Lights driver Vince Neil? This is true. This is true. Not a lot of people know that Vince Vince Neil has a couple of Indy Light starts to his credit. Yes, he does. And I want to say, didn't Motley Crue sponsor an Indy car at one point in time, or or at least an Indy Lights car? Aerosmith I, sponsored an Indy car yes, in 2001. I, I, I know Aerosmith did. I also know the Rolling Stones sponsored uh, an Indy car. I, I think, don't know about I think Motley Crue. I think Molly Crue put their name on, on probably Vince's Indy Lights car. The only one I know is that Rats sponsor a couple NHRA, I mean, drag racing cars over the years, but I could give two rats about them. Two rats about rat. That's good, man. <laughs> well, the tires went round and round. Oh, yeah, good one. Good one. Hey. We're, we're not <laughs> discussing that. I, I get ridiculed <laughs> by a couple folks on Facebook about it. We're not going there. <laughs> All right. So uh, other than the big shakeup at uh, Andretti, Christopher, uh, which were the, the rumors about Grosjean ending up Andretti are stronger and stronger. Um, and, and there's a couple of, uh, other guys getting their name out there. It looks like we're in for, uh, I know we talked about a bit last week, but Chris, I know you're, 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 you're my, uh, IndyCar insider. You live right there in Indiana and you're got your, uh, your ear to the ground there. So what, uh, what are you hearing strong rumor wise? And as far as like driver placement for next year, nothing that's been, you know, hasn't already been said. Um, I know Oliver asked you tested with, uh, you know, the Ray Hall team over at Barber. And I'll uh, I'll see if I can get in touch with Alan McDonald at uh, Ray Hall to see how that went. Um, but for me, the big you know, it was a surprise to see that Jack Harvey won't be at Myers Shank. Um, if he does stay with the Honda team, he would probably be a good uh, a good look over at Ray Hall. And can you just imagine a Harvey Ray Hall Askew lineup if that were to come to fruition? I mean, that for me, you know, for my money, that's probably the best case scenario for that team. But if Grosjean does go to Andretti, I'm thinking that um, if Hinchcliffe's money is too good to pass up and Hinchcliffe stays, uh, the big loser in that is Kyle Kirkwood, unless Kirkwood is able to get uh, over to Dale Coyne Racing. Um, now, of course, well, we did, of course, Ryan Hunter Ray looks to be maybe out of the picture at Andretti as well. Well, yeah, he has. He just hasn't had a good season, really. Or, he hasn't had a, a lot of good things going on for him <laughs> recently, which it's, I hate to say. It's because, a normal win in 2018, feels yeah, like now. Yeah, and I, I hate to say that because, you know, Hunter Ray has always been one of those guys that you know is a fighter. And, you know, he's – it's kind of like a lazy Susan where you just, you know, spin the table around and it gets in that one point where it's, you know, perfect. But he hasn't forgotten how to drive. He He's had podiums in the last – you know, in 2020, but – Something just is not right at that team, and I'm almost, you know, wondering if it's really Hunter Ray or is there something going on with engineering? Because well, you, you know, got you got to figure Rossi's results have not been great. 
No, and Veach Veach never reached his full potential with the team. There was oh, Colton Herta pulls one out of his butt every now and again, but more often than not, more often than not, he's just mired in the pack. He's well, either he's either winning or or mid pack. So that you know, I hate to use the phrase, but it begs the question: Is that you know on the drivers, or is there something else going on? You know, there was you know the post that Marshall, I think it was Marshall, made that um, Rossi isn't exactly happy at Andretti, and quite frankly. I don't blame him given how 2020 turned out. I wouldn't blame him for not being happy either. So he and his would, 2021 he could, isn't any better for him. No. Could he be on the move? It's possible. I mean, you know, hell Elio winning at Indy told us that told us that because, you know, he's, you know, guys not full time, you know, no one's ever won the 500 after winning it for Roger Penske. And what, what do you know? He does it second oldest winner. So um, that's another thing too, is that it's good to see him going to be full, you know, being full-time again. Um, that's actually, that's a very good move, especially with Meyer Shank going to two cars now too. I think Elio still has a lot to, uh, a lot to offer to the series. I really think he does. I think he's got a lot to offer Meyer Shank. And if they put a young guy like an Oliver Askew in that car or, or a Kyle Kirkwood, or, you know, just any, any, any young guy, I think they would benefit tremendously from having Elio as a teammate. Well, you look well. One thing that I, you know, I I was a keen observer of at the uh, you know Road to Indy races. One of the logos that has been you know featured in Promo in the Indy Pro 2000 series on Braden Eves' car is Meyer Shank Racing. I'm thinking that until Braden Eves is ready to go to IndyCar, Elio is going to have that seat, and that seat will go to Braden Eves when he is ready to go to IndyCar. Um, cause Braden's from Ohio, Ohio is, you know, Meyer Shank racing's home. Um, I'm thinking that that's going to happen within the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that, uh, the, the kid is being groomed for an IndyCar seat. You just, it just, he's got to get through the next couple of years and learn all he can. So now what are you hearing about Sato? Because there's, you know, rumors that Sato is either going to drop down to a part-time schedule or leave Ray Hall entirely, which is why. Harvey's being linked to the Ray Hall seat. Now, Sato tends to work on one-year contracts uh, for whatever reason. But last I heard out of Bobby Ray Hall's mouth, they were working hard to retain Sato. But then the the Jack Harvey talk kind of uh, is conflicting information to that. I haven't heard anything about the Sato situation recently. Uh, I had to do a little bit of question asking. But no, I haven't heard much about you know Sato's plans at the moment. All right. So with that being said, let's talk about picking a winner for Nashville. Obviously, the favorite from the fan base there will be Joseph Newgarden. Um, and you've also got to figure, uh, you know, given his recent performances, probably the favorite among some of the pundits as well. But, uh, you know, with that out of the way, uh, Richard, who do you think is going to win in Nashville? Oh boy, could be anybody, couldn't it? Um, let's go with willpower. Oh, good choice. And uh, Christopher, I'll say Joseph for the hometown uh, uh, victory. All right, now Louise, I feel like Gross will be good, but I'm gonna go with Pato on this one. All right, and I'm going to go with old reliable Scott Dixon. And uh, now, Christopher, you had one other Indy 500 tidbit uh, that you wanted to uh, mention on the show, so I'm going to 
turn the turn the microphone over to you and let you share your uh, share your thoughts. So uh, something that just you know came up you know in late July that you know has happened today. You know we're recording this August the second. Um, the site, the tower site for WIBC 1070 in Indianapolis, uh, the site for those towers was sold and the towers are going to be coming down. And today, August 2nd, is actually going to be the day where the 1070 a.m. signal goes silent. Um, for those that know the Indianapolis 500 history, that was the home uh, signal for the Indianapolis Motor Speedway radio network. And since 1966, that site has been, or where the towers have been, is where the, the signal has been coming from. Um, but yeah, the old 1070 AM signal in Indianapolis is going to be going dead, you know, tonight, August 2nd. Um, and of course, as I said, you know, if you know the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Radio Network, 1070 was the uh, broadcast, you know, main partner in the Indianapolis area for that network. Um you know, sad to see that happen, but, you know, a lot of us are hoping that that signal does get picked up and that they are able to, you know, get enough use for that signal in the coming few days. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, certainly that's a piece of history that, you know, that, that could just be lost. So, all right. So with that being said, we've got a few minutes left to talk about NASCAR. And um, if you recall, we had on our show a couple of weeks ago, the uh, owners of Top Gun Racing, their driver, R.C. Enerson, will be competing in the uh, the IndyCar race at the Brickyard Weekend. But uh, it was announced that he will also be competing in the Cup race. Now, Louise, you want to chime in on this? This is kind of interesting to me. This is when you told me this earlier today it was the first I've heard of it. Yeah, R.C. Enerson is going to drive the number 15 Rick Ware car for the Cup Series race at Watkins Glen, which will be before the Nashville IndyCar race rather than at the same time or NASCAR after IndyCar. It'll be NASCAR first, then IndyCar when it comes to NBC this Sunday. But number okay, 15 okay, okay, okay. Is, is he's driving at Watkins Glen? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. I thought, I thought you told me he was going to run at the, um, at the Brickyard. No, no, no. No, oh, no, okay. no. What, Sage Karam is running at the Brickyard in the Xfinity series for Jordan Anderson's team. That's that's what's going on with Brickyard. It, uh, you get the you get the gist of it. But in NASCAR 15 car, James Davison, who primarily drives the 15 top car, will drive the 51 this weekend, which means Cody Ware is all essentially gonna drive the 52 for Rick Ware. They'll coin Rick Ware at Nashville. So, yeah, Anderson will make the debut. Davidson takes over Cody's cup car while Cody runs the IndyCar race in the, in the second Rick Ware affiliate, which is, would be a third coin car. I mean, Rick Ware is just everywhere anymore. Yeah, I mean, mm. he's, now he said <laughs> now Rick Ware has a Pinty's car with Andrew Ranger as their primary driver, almost won it. Like this next, thing in, next thing you know, Rick Ware will be buying into the Haas Formula 1 team. He's a new Warner Hodgson. Mm. <laughs> it's all, I've got this horrible feeling that whole thing's going to come unraveled at some point. But that's just some of the some of the things that I've heard on the inside. But uh, you know, no, hey, heard... while he can enjoy it and spend his money, have at it, boy. But uh, yeah, I just and I've got no no evidence to back that up. But uh, I've just heard some things that don't sort of sit particularly well. That uh, you know, it's not particularly sustainable. But, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And again, that uh, golly, that uh, 
that Rick Ware, Dale Coyne, IndyCar for, for next season. And, you know, if, uh, you know, Grosjean moves, moves to Andretti, that's another open seat. That's a, uh, that's a possibility for somebody there as well. So we are in NASCAR. We are off to Watkins Glen, which uh, is a favorite race of the series. Why? Because they tend to sell it out every year while their, their oval attendance is struggling. Watkins Glen is a stronghold for the series. They always have a great crowd there. They generally put on a pretty good show. So Louise, what are your, what are your thoughts heading? It's uh Watkins Glen for the, do we have Xfinity on the, we have Xfinity Arca East. I mean, Arca, let's just say Arca. Cause I'm not sure. Yeah. It's Arca. Right. right. Truck series as well. We'll run at Watkins Glen where Ross Chastain was going to run, but it's the final regular season race for the truck series, so he cannot run it due to the fact he's a cup driver. All right, so we've got a full slate of uh, NASCAR racing up there in the Figure Lakes area, Watkins Glen. So who do you uh, who do you like for a win at Watkins Glen? Chase Elliott, maybe. Yeah, that was that's my pick, Chase <laughs> Elliott, which would be three in a row for him if he were to pull it off. If you were to pull it off, I mean, you know, there's a uh, Kyle Larson has been looking pretty good here and there and everywhere. Um, Kyle Bush looks good here, there and everywhere. So, and Martin Truex is another guy that's pretty strong on the road and street courses. And Martin been a, been a, been a minute since Martin's won a race. I think he's overdue. So uh, Richard, what do you, who do you like? Hmm. Joey Logano. Okay, yeah, that's a little out of the box there. So, uh, Christopher, who do you who do you think is gonna win a Cup race at the Glen? Oh, since Louise already picked uh, Chase, I'm gonna say Larson. All right, so you left me Kyle Busch. So, or uh, <laughs> or Dave um, Smith in the fifty-two. Dave Smith, yeah. Hey, is um is uh, Austin Cindric gonna enter the Cup race? I know. Nope. He, nope. No Cindric. Okay. No Almondinger for the Cup race. All right. Well, I mean, I think, Al- Almondinger would be a good pick. I think Cindric only has one more race based on what he said at Road America after he had that problem. Or that might have been his last race at Road America. I'm not sure. I had to go back at the replay. Yeah, I'll just see yeah, how that shakes out. But he's uh, I mean, he's being groomed. He's he's stepping up into a very, very good seat uh, next year. And and deservedly so. I mean, a lot of people like to I, I know we like to make fun of Austin Cindric. Uh, on this show because he said his mm-hmm. his path his path through the Indy 500 goes through NASCAR which makes zero sense in the world and we like to rib him about that but but I mean but honestly the kid's got a lot of talent and, and you can uh you know say the silver spoon factor his dad's got him there that's the same thing I like to say about Chase, Chase Elliott but I'm I'm kind of really optimistic about seeing um Austin Cindric in that two car next year no, for sure. It'll be interesting to see how he fares. All right. So we've got uh, it's about four minutes left. So uh, we'll go around the table for final thoughts or if anything that we forgot to mention this week. I'll start with uh, you, Louise. I still stand to the fact that if Lance Stroll didn't avoid hitting Ocon, because that's it, with the bad steering and all that at the start. Ocon don't win that race had Stroll hit him. So he was lucky in that regard because Stroll did took out Leclerc and all that stuff with that what happened over there, which he too, I guess he has a great penalty along with Bottas. 
There are uh, does he? I haven't heard anything yet. Does I've, he officially have a penalty? Because I haven't seen anything. All I heard is Bottas, but with Stroll. Yeah, my, it's it got was just... to be surely. It was a shocking screw up by Stroll. Yeah, I'll have, were, I'll have a quick. Uh... I I took it as one try to avoid hitting Ocon, but also then I heard it was something that happened to the car that led to that dreadful collision. So it was like 50-50s, like, okay, I understand you're trying to, rather, you avoided a car, but you still took out others with, along with mm. yourself. But mm. if he plowed into Ocon, we were talking about a whole different race, even more than what we did. All right. Now, Chris, for your final thought for the evening. Um, the summer break has been nice. In the U.S. overall, uh, it's allowed us to, you know, kind of get recharged up, but it's going to be nice to see everybody back at the track, um, you know, with Nashville and then the EDGP and then going off to Gateway the week after that. Um, I can't wait to uh, to get going on the road again. I actually leave for Nashville on Thursday, so I can't wait to uh, see everybody again at the track. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, yeah. So, yeah, it'll yeah. be fun. And it'll be fun indeed. All I know is I'll be resting all Thursday night in Nashville. Oh, there's <laughs> no rest in downtown Nashville, man. You got to get out there. Oh, I, you, you got to get out there, sing and dance and drink, buddy. You gotta get, if get, if get, one of y'all, if y'all want, your... if one of y'all are there Thursday night, convince me otherwise. Convince <laughs> me and I'll sacrifice sleep. No, I have I'll to do leave what? Thursday morning immediately after my, my dead end job take the flight and arrive in Nashville around 5 p.m. and then sleep. Yeah, there you go. Get some get some rest because it's going to be it's going to be a jam packed weekend in Nashville. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Richard, final thought for you. Uh, just to confirm, Lance Stroll has got a penalty ahead of the uh, uh, Belgian Grand Prix. So uh, pretty justified. I think I think I was a bit of a, bit of a yeah. screw up on his part as well. But um, no, it'd be good going into the uh, into the Formula One break, summer break there, a bit of time off for everybody. It's been a little bit crazy so far this year, hasn't it? And uh, you know, probably some of the the unknowns heading into next year with the driver driver uh, lineups will be be um, you know sorted and signed and sealed by uh, by the time we get back into into racing. But uh, yeah, it should be you know it, it's been a great first half of the season. Um, you know, probably you could argue that, uh, that Hamilton has that lead that maybe his overall performance doesn't doesn't warrant. But um, yeah, you know, let let let's get going in in Spa. You know, great track, great racing there. Hopefully, and uh, and see what everybody's made of. All right, and my final thought for the evening is that I, you know the uh, it's been a long time since we had IndyCar race with the Toronto cancellation. We've been off for about a month, uh, so but we are racing three weeks consecutive as the formula one is taking their summer breaks. So, and I just think this represents a wonderful opportunity uh, for IndyCar to, to garner some new fans because they have, there are a lot more Europeans paying attention to IndyCar watching guys like, like Grosjean, like Ericsson, um, you know, like Renus VK. Um, I, I mean, one of the, hello. One of the, hello, I hear you. Yeah. Hello. Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> they said, Hello. <laughs> yeah, Polo. Yeah, so there's a lot of your there's a lot of European interest in IndyCar right now with some of these guys that are out there and doing well in the series. So I just I just really feel like this uh, three week of stretch of IndyCar racing three weeks in a row falling right when Formula One is off is is going to be a nice boost for the series. Now, with that being said, 
we are out of time. So Christopher, I want to thank you. Louise, I want to thank you. Richard, I want to thank you too. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. And most of all, I want to thank you folks that listen to us week in and week out. But till next week, good night. Enter website, enter website, enter website, enter website.